0: Welcome to Scientific American Science Talk, posted on January 30th, 2017. I'm Steve Mursky. On January 18th, at the World Economic Forum in Davos, Switzerland, the Coalition for Epidemic Preparedness Innovations, also known as CEPI, or CEPI, announced that it had raised an initial $460 million of backing from Norway, Germany, Japan, the Wellcome Trust, and the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. The organization expects to raise the $1 billion that it needs for the next five years by the end of this year. As the journal Nature put it, CEPI is thus the largest vaccine development initiative ever against viruses that are potential epidemic threats. Scientific American Editor-in-Chief Mariette DiCristina was at Davos and spoke briefly with Trevor Mundell. He's the president of Global Health at the Gates Foundation. They talked mostly about what's ahead for vaccine platforms. That's the thing that's going to carry the antigen, which is what will get the immune system to spring into action. What it sounds like they're hoping to do is get one or a few vaccine platforms, especially using nucleic acids, that could code for whatever antigen you need so that if you have for example malaria in this part of the world you pop in the malaria antigen and start vaccinating if you have ebola in another part of the world you take the same platform but switch in the ebola antigen instead of the malaria one obviously that's a gross oversimplification but that's the general idea According to Nature, the first targets for CEPI are vaccines against the Nipah virus and those that cause Middle East Respiratory Syndrome, MERS, and Lassa fever. Here's Trevor Mundell and Mariette DiCristina. Mundell, by the way, has a medical degree and a doctorate in mathematics, and he was a Rhodes Scholar. The conversation is just over 11 minutes.
1: The, the one thing I really would like to follow up on with you is about vaccine platforms and your your view of the future on that because it's something people are very excited about.
2: Mm-hmm. So as much as we have a uh, couple of exemplar pathogens which are a set of experts, best guess from the list of 20 or 30 options, um, what could be the likely uh, next outbreak? The truth of the matter is the likely next outbreak is un- probably unknown uh, as we learned from Zika. So that's the, the number one uh, likelihood. So what we see with the this construct, this investment in, in vaccine R&D is that as much as we could produce vaccines against these pathogens, and it, it might even be, let's say, NIPA, which is a rapidly mutating virus, we can produce a vaccine and then the strain that actually emerges will not be the same one. And vaccines are very selective so that it would not be effective against the new Nipah virus. So the greatest utility is to do two things at once. At the same time as we we need a virus to work on but we work on it with a new platform so that we have two things we have validated a new platform and we have a vaccine just in case that turns out to be the the pathogen so it's kind of a two-for-one
1: and can you speak to me a little bit about which platforms seem particularly promising to you and and why that might be the case
2: well we are tracking this pretty intensively so the platforms that we are excited about right now um are some of the vector nucleic acid vector platform. So there, there's one set of platforms around RNA. So where you encode the antigens in RNA and then you deliver them intramuscularly, they get taken up by largely, we believe, muscle cells. And that nucleic acid is then translated into protein. And the, that's going to be the antigen. So the advantage of this is that you can inoculate very small amounts. And because you're relying on the body cells to actually be the own vaccine factory, you amplify tremendously. Mm-hmm. So a small amount of vaccine. And then you have the flexibility that if you have a new antigen, new protein, all you need to do is to recode it. Mm-hmm. Just change the sequence. Mm-hmm. So there is a, a hope that these platforms are going to be somewhat modular. It's going to be a type of plug and play that you can go from... Yellow fever to Zika, and mm-hmm. you just, or you know, yellow fever to Ebola, you just change the surface protein and mm-hmm. the code, and then all the auxiliary things that you have to do in vaccine development, right? Like mm-hmm. Toxicology, you have to do animal toxicology, mm-hmm. you have to do uh, kinetic studies to see what the persistence is. Mm-hmm. All of that additional work, and even the manufacturing quality work would have been done once upfront, and that the regulators would then accept a very attenuated rapid package for the next one, Mm -hmm. because of the belief that you didn't change much, Mm -hmm. you just changed the sequence. Mm -hmm. So we have to convince ourselves that just changing the sequence doesn't change things uh, that much. Difficult to imagine how it does, but you never know. So we'll see that with the first couple of examples. Mm -hmm. But once you've got that somewhat antigen-independent platform, Then, as has once been done, we believe from industry, they haven't really gone public with us, but there was one case for a flu, a fairly recent flu vaccine, a flu virus that, uh, strain that emerged, where the company didn't have the strain as they normally have, they just had the sequence. And they were able to go from sequence to a usable vaccine in six months, which is the fastest we've heard about it. Well, we believe that we can do even better than that. And um, if you saw the little demonstration that I I did, so what that shows is it takes a um, uh, something akin to the 1917-18 flu epidemic. And we just assumed 30 million people died, although many more people died. And the parameter that we changed was how soon do you introduce an effective vaccine? What happens if you do it in 30 weeks or 22 weeks or 6 weeks? And it is astonishing, actually. I was surprised mm-hmm. by the audience reaction. I didn't mm-hmm. anticipate it because I've seen it so many times. But when I flipped from 30 weeks, where you get 2 million lives saved out like of 30 million, mm-hmm. to 22 weeks, it's suddenly you're saving 17 million lives. Mm-hmm. And then there's a sort of gasp. On it's the audience, amazing. You know, the... as it just dropped down. Yeah. And six weeks, of course, you virtually completely abrogate the, the epidemic. Mm-hmm. Now, six weeks, it, it's almost inconceivable that we could ever get to that. Uh, so many things we'd have to do to work. But, you know, I think three months, so any case, though, th- this is the excitement on platforms. So then you could say, well, that's very exciting, but what evidence is there that you well, can do these yeah, things? what
1: I was going to ask you is, yeah. why yeah. has it been so... I mean, a yeah. lot of people would yeah. like this to work. What are some of the challenges that are facing you? I mean, it, 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 it sounds very good, you know, that you could swap in yeah. antigen. Why is it so hard?
2: Well, so there... So, Administering nucleic acids, so the body is dealing with nucleic acids, RNA, uh, nucleic acids, all the time in terms of pathogens, so there are um, enzymes degrading them rapidly, so you have to, you can't, it, it turns out it's not, you can't put in unmodified RNA into somebody, it doesn't persist very long, it's just got a, you know, less than a few minutes half-life. Uh in its naive form, so you have to modify it. And you have to find what modifications are still um, amenable to it being translated in the cells. So there are a number of different parameters. The cells still have to recognize it as RNA that they want to translate into protein. Cells have got a lot of antiviral mechanisms and intrinsic defense mechanisms to recognize foreign RNA and actually not translate it. So you've got to step under the cell's own internal defense, innate defense mechanisms. As we become so excited with bacteria and CRISPR, Uh, cells have got, mammalian cells have got similar kinds of defense mechanisms. So you've got to slip under the cell's defense mechanism, it's got to amplify it. Uh, On the other hand, you do want some adjuvanting um, because you you want the cell to have some reactivity and to sort of, um, if it has some danger signals and it starts to you know, act and pull other immune cells in. Well, that's what a vaccine does. Mm-hmm. So it shouldn't be completely inert. We have another program where we actually want it to be completely inert because we are introducing the RNA to try and get the muscle cells to make antibodies. This, would, this might be even faster. Mm-hmm. This is sort of in our back pocket. So interesting. Um, in our back pocket, it may be a quicker route to actually getting a something like a vaccine is if you have the nucleic acid actually codes for an antibody, and you've identified an antibody from somebody who recovered from the virus. Um, and we were looking at this with Ebola, but it turns out those recovered antibodies didn't work that well. Mm-hmm. But let's say for flu, they should work well. So if you could quickly find somebody who didn't die from your flu virus, mm-hmm. and within a few days, you can extract one of the antibodies, and you've got super quick ways of panning through millions and millions of antibodies now. we find the antibody we code the antibody into the RNA. Mm -hmm. Now, that's probably uh, in some ways more certain because you know that that antibody is going to be effective in preventing the infection. Mm -hmm. Um, But now in that case, you want to make a lot of antibody and you don't want the RNA to provoke any kind of inflammation and reaction, so you want it to be completely inert. And we've got these two pathways, one where you want to provoke a reaction, like a typical vaccine, the other one, where you just want to make a whole bunch of antibody and use your own muscle cells Mm -hmm. as your production factory. You want to be very inert and they are quite difficult. This one is probably more difficult actually Mm -hmm. right now. The levels that we've got in antibody production um, are not high enough, even in non-human primates. Mm -hmm. Uh, But we're getting there. And the (laughs) DNA seems to actually be uh, on that antibody side quite promising, may get Mm -hmm. higher levels in non-human primates than the RNA. So these are the these are the platforms, DNA or RNA. RNA is probably the bigger opportunity now. At least, mm-hmm. at least, there's more than those companies. But they're the two that we are actually upfront invested in: uh, CureVac in Germany, and um, Moderna in Cambridge. Mm-hmm. They are competitive companies. And you might say, why we invested in both? And um, in some ways. They might ask us that question as well, but we don't, you know, we're neutral to, we'd like them both to be extremely successful. We Mm -hmm. the CEOs all the time. We want you both to be successful. It'd be nice if it were on different vaccines that you're not directly competing, but Mm -hmm. who knows it could be the same vaccines.
1: And last thing I, I just wanted to ask you, if there's anything about, I mean, there's been a lot of different kinds of talk about vaccines around. I can hardly think of another medical intervention that has saved more lives prevented more damage i mean maybe 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 there is one but i can hardly imagine one that's been more effective than vaccines is there is there anything she might like to add
2: yeah absolutely you know the the dramatic decline that we've seen in under five mortality globally yeah. you know in the, in the global health areas going down from 12 over 12 million to six million mm-hmm. can in large part be ascribed to the rollout of vaccines yeah. and Gavi coming in with the ability to deliver vaccines at scale to kids in the developing world with big birth Mm cohorts, Absolutely. And this is a sort of history of vaccines, but I believe that there's some areas where we are not going to succeed unless we get a vaccine. Mm -hmm. Actually, finally combating HIV and getting rid of that epidemic, I think he's going to take a vaccine. Mm -hmm. And we're going to use these same platforms, the RNA platforms, to develop an HIV vaccine and it may be needed in malaria as well. You know, the problem in malaria, for instance, similarly in HIV. Um, we've got we've now identified more than 20 different targets, antigens. If we make them by the usual vaccine process, all 20 of them, and we test them and we go along, we'll be here for
1: mm-hmm.
2: 60 years with the RNA platform. We can, in one fell swoop, we'll make all 20 of them and test them in one study. Mm-hmm. So the acceleration that we'll get from these platforms in these other areas that it's not what vaccines have just done in the past, what they uniquely have the potential to do in the future in these areas, toughest areas, HIV, TB, malaria, we may not win in those areas without a vaccine.